And we will first read a scripture from the Old Testament, followed by a meditation by Reverend John Newton. So I want to invite Miriam Jobin uh, to come and read from Isaiah 50, chapter 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who has considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. And this is the word of the Lord. Could we just take a moment to pray? Open our ears, Lord, <clears throat> to hear your word and to know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you now and always. Amen. Well, it was a journey of some 2,000 kilometers from Jerusalem all the way back to what is now modern-day Sudan. The lone traveler had come to worship at the temple, and I can only imagine that it was for him a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. 
As his horse slowly plodded along, he occupied himself by reading a scroll that he had no doubt acquired during his stay in Jerusalem. It was the writings of the prophet Isaiah. Now you have to realize that in those days, no one read silently. Believe it or not, that practice wasn't to come about for more than a thousand years afterwards. And so it was that Philip, a Jesus follower, who happened to be traveling along the same road, could hear every word that the Ethiopian was reading. Curious, he asked the traveler, do you understand what you're reading? To which came the reply, how can I without someone to explain it to me? And with that, he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him in the chariot. And here's what he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his descendants? For his life was taken away from the earth. So who was the prophet talking about, the traveler asked? Himself or someone else? And this was all that Philip needed to start to talk to him about Jesus. Well, the passage, of course, was that remarkable 53rd chapter of Isaiah, from which we read just a moment or two ago. It had been written centuries before, but it gives a vivid description of what was to take place at Calvary as Jesus, the Lamb of God, hung dying on the cross. Jesus' crucifixion and the events that led up to it uh, had come as a terrifying shock to the disciples. Even Peter, for all his bravado beforehand, had crumbled when things began to fall apart. And two days later, the disciples could be found cowering in an upper room with the door locked and barred for fear that what had happened to Jesus might happen to them too. Yet, it was not as though Jesus had not warned them about what was going to take place. The Gospels record three separate occasions on which Jesus plainly told the disciples that he would be betrayed, rejected by the religious authorities, and condemned to death. But they were not able to take in the warnings. In fact, on the eve of his crucifixion, as the disciples were bickering over which one of them was the greatest, Jesus quoted directly from this very passage. For I tell you, he said to them, that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. But it was only after the resurrection that with Jesus' help, the disciples began to be able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Luke tells us in his gospel that it was then that Jesus took time with the disciples to open their minds to understand the scriptures, that all that was written in the law and the prophets would find its fulfillment in him. And as they began to look through the scriptures, there it was again and again. How had they missed seeing it? Everything began to become clear in a way that had never had been before. 
I don't know how many of you have seen this picture before. If you can just put it up on the screen. <laughs> Not that one. That one. Perhaps you've seen it. At first glance, it's a picture of an elderly woman with a wart on her nose and a kerchief covering her head, looking sadly down, perhaps thinking of the lost opportunities of the past. But if you look again, you can also see the figure of a young woman, her face turned away from us, perhaps looking to what may await her in the future. Well, so it was with Jesus' disciples. He enabled them to read the scriptures in a whole new way. And so it was that on the day of Pentecost too, Peter could proclaim to the crowd that had gathered, Jesus of Nazareth was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. And there is no doubt in my mind that one of the passages from the Old Testament that was central in Peter's thoughts and those of his fellow disciples was the one we have read this evening. You see, the events of the cross didn't just happen. They were not a triumph of evil over good, not even for a split second. They were all a part of God's plan from the beginning of time. And our passage from Isaiah this evening, uh, <clears throat> the passage that the Ethiopian servant was reading on his long homeward journey, opens us to the mind of our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father. The words form what is called the fourth of the servant songs of Isaiah. And each one of those four songs points ahead to the day when God would send his servant in whom he delights and upon whom his spirit rests to bring glory to him and to be a light to the nations. Together they form a progression, reaching their climax in that final song that we read this evening. From the opening verse, Isaiah recognizes that God's plans are far beyond your or my understanding, or anyone's for that matter. Who could believe what we have heard, he asks. And indeed, who could believe that the battered and bloody figure, limp and helpless and hanging from a cross, was the divine Son of God? Isaiah said he would be despised and rejected. And so it was that those who passed by as Jesus hung there laughed at him and mocked him with the taunt, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Yet Isaiah knew that this punishment that the servant would bear was not because of anything he had done, but for you and for me. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He bore the sin of many, Isaiah tells us, and makes intercession for the transgressors. And so it is that we hear Jesus pray, Father, forgive them. It is a dark and gruesome picture. Yet through it all, Isaiah sees a glimmer of light. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, he tells us. 
Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And so, beyond the gloom of Good Friday, we are already given a glimpse of that first Easter morning, and indeed, of the eternal joy of heaven. We have a foreshadowing of that day when all creation will proclaim, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So when Philip left him and the Ethiopian servant went on to resume his southward journey, he was a changed man. He now knew the suffering servant as his Savior and Lord. And my prayer is that the same may be true for each of you on this Good Friday, that you may look to the cross of Jesus and find in him the one who was pierced for your sins and who was punished to bring you peace. Can we pray? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Savior Jesus, we cannot begin to thank you enough for all that you endured for us on the cross. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help each one of us to live our lives in daily gratitude for your sacrifice. We ask it for your name's sake. Amen. God's scars on his hands. My king has got scars on his hands. His risen body forever marked. My king has got scars on his hands. has got scars on his hands. My king has got scars on his hands. My Lord, my God, I know who you are. I know other scars on your acquainted with me. 
is acquainted with scripture to reflect on the events of Jesus' crucifixion from the New Testament. And I want to invite Anna Mandin to come and read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verses 21 to 41. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Did I get the wrong one? Sorry. That's funny. I was wondering. Okay. Sorry about that. 21. And they were comp- and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the ca- country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another 
saying he saved others, he cannot save himself. How far are you going? Let the, king, let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also re- reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine to put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that this was, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. There, was, there were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joses and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And this is the word of the Lord. Mark 15, 21 to 41, we see the gruesome and painful details of our Savior crucifixion. But we also see the profound message of love that shines forth from the cross. Before Simon of Cyrene was asked to carry the cross, Jesus was scourged, a severe, severe punishment for criminals. Later, a whole battalion, usually about 600 soldiers, clothing with a purple cloak, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck his head with a reed, spit on him, and made a spectacle, a spectacle of him kneeling, pretending he was their king. In all this, he did not open his mouth as it was prophesied in Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. After he was betrayed, arrested, falsely accused, and then sentenced to death by crucifixion, a sentence reserved for the worst criminals of the time, he did not open his mouth because of love of those around him and of those around here in this place. And as Jesus made his way to Golgotha, he was so weakened by the beating and torture that he could not carry his cross. 
The Roman soldiers then compel Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross for him. Simon, a stranger and an outsider, took up the cross and walked outside and walked alongside Jesus, carrying his burden until they arrived at the place called Golgotha. And there, verse 24 states this. And they crucify him. Just four words. And they crucify him. The interpretation of these four words is intertwined throughout the Old Testament. Apart from the passage that we just read with John in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 50, verse 6 and 7 says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helped me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. And another passage, Psalm 69, verse 21, says, They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Thousand years before, Psalm 22, verse 18 says, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And in the same psalm, verse 7 and 8, says, All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he the light in him. My point with all these scriptures is that when we see the crucifixion of our Savior Jesus, we need to understand that the cross is not a tragedy or an accident, but rather the very plan of God to redeem his people from sin and death. It was a calculated plan of God since the beginning of the creation of the world to send Jesus to redeem us from sin and death. And it is detailed in many prophecies in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the passage we just read in the Gospel of Mark. When the women tried to give Jesus wine mixed with myrrh, used as a pain reliever or a pain killer, he refused it so that we can we so that he could take the whole bitter cup reserved for us. So that he could take the whole bitter cup of the wrath of God reserved for us. 
And so we see the love of Christ in his willingness to lay down his life for all of us, taking upon himself the punishment that was ours. Now, one of the most striking aspects of this passage is how different people responded to the cross. And it's a mirror or it's a reflection of how people now, these days, respond to the cross as well. One group mocked and ridiculed Jesus, saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Another group, the chief priests and the scribes, mocked him, saying, Let the Christ, the King of, the, of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Some were indifferent, while others watched in horror the suffering man on the cross. But there are also those who responded in faith and in love. The centurion who witnesses Jesus' death declares, truly this man was the Son of God. What a powerful confession of faith deduced by witnessing Jesus suffering on the cross. What a powerful confession of someone who read the facts of the crucifixion of Jesus to conclude and say, truly, this man was the Son of God. Then, the last group, we see the women who follow Jesus throughout his ministry and remain faithful to him, even in his darkness, darkness hour. Even when all the disciples of Jesus run away, women that served Jesus stood there witnessing the crucifixion standing at a distance and bearing witness to the suffering of the man on the cross. And so, the question is, to which group do we belong? As we reflect on this passage of love from the cross, we are reminded that it is not just an abstract concept or a sentimental feeling. The cross is love in action, a love that we do not deserve, the ultimate expression of love. So as we meditate on the cross of Christ today, let us, remind it, let us be reminded of how deep and why God's love for us is. Let us remember that Jesus willingly gave his life so that we 
may be saved. Let us respond with grateful hearts and a desire to live our lives in service to him, confessing as this centurion did at the end of his life. Truly, this man was the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the profound message of love that shines forth from the cross. And as we reflect on the details of our Savior's crucifixion, we are reminded of the depths of your love for us. May we never forget the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and the love that he showed us on the cross. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now, listen to the inviting words of our Lord Jesus to his children. Come to me, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's talking to you tonight. He's talking to you tonight. He's inviting you tonight to come to him. Listen to the Apostle Paul. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Again, he's talking to you and to me. And finally here, the Apostle John but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment for our sins. And with these words, I invite you to the Lord's table, which he has set for all his children. So now let's pray. Father in heaven, we bow our heads now because Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We bowed in reverence, in respect, in awe and in adoration for the person of Christ, the words of Christ, and today, for the cross of Christ. Pray that you will fill us now and afresh with your Holy Spirit so that our worship in this moment will bring true honor to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup and after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Lord Jesus, you said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now as we eat this bread, help our souls to understand the symbol to the deepest reality. You bore our sins in your body. You became sin for us. You suffered death in your body and you were resurrected in your body. Bread of heaven, we feast in remembrance of your body given for us. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is given for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your body, in your heart, by faith with thanksgiving. That's it. Gracious God, we thank you this day for the new covenant. The covenant sealed through the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son. We drink this cup in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice for our sins. Asking him even now through the Spirit to commune with us as we commune with each other. With grateful hearts, O Christ, we drink of you and to you. Amen. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, 
preserves your body and soul to everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. And be thankful. Let's drink. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all God's benefits. Father, we thank you that you have fed us and united us with Christ. You have given us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet that is waiting for us in your kingdom. Please, Lord, fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All on a Friday evening, as the sun went down, the body of a man who wore a thorn-made crown Was carried to a graveyard in the fading light And laid with deep affection in a garden And what of me so distant from that far-gone place Still the wonder of that moment Crosses time and space With mystery and majesty None can explain For it draws me to the story Of the young man Upon the hill the shadow Of his gallows fell and faded as the sun descended lower still. The ground was worn and bare where many feet had trod to watch the execution of the young man. And what of me so distant from that far-gone place, still the wonder of that moment Crosses time and space With mystery and majesty None can explain For it draws me to the story Of the young man The next day being Sabbath Was a day of rest And one of some reflection For the young man's friends 
No longer messianic zeal consumed their hearts. Just sorrow for the killing of the young man. And what of me so distant from that far gone place? Still the wonder of that moment crosses time and space. With mystery and majesty none can explain. For it draws me to the story of the young man. And what of me so distant from that far gone place? Still the wonder of that moment crosses time and space. With mystery and majesty none can explain, for it draws me to the story of the young man. As we come to the end of this Good Friday service, we invite you to reflect on the significance of this day and the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us. As you leave this place, we ask that you do so in silence, allowing your heart and mind to continue to dwell on the mystery of the cross and the hope it offers us. May you carry with you a sense of awe and gratitude for the love that was poured out for us on this day. And finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now and forevermore.